This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1976's The Town That Dreaded Sundown, directed by Charles B. Pierce. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movies this week, as well as life updates. Um, we're in, in October, so our life is consumed with movies now. As I'm sure if you're a casual listener and you don't, um, like you're not super into horror movies, um, then I will uh, let you in on a well-known secret. Uh, every October rolls around and every horror movie acts, or ever, every horror movie fan acts like they have to watch even more horror movies than they normally do. And on top of everything else that they might be watching, they usually throw in like a 31 days list, um, which B and I have both done and you can find them on our Twitter, but it just means that your month is consumed by movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, because we are sadists, it means that, yeah, we're watching 31 movies, but we're also watching a bunch of other crap. Mm-hmm. Um, before I jump into the movies though, I will, I don't want to spend too much, uh, like, insane amount of time on it because I could spend hours on it, but I did get the chance to go to Universal Horror, Universal Halloween Horror Nights. Sure. It's like... It's H-H-N. U-H-H-H-H. Yeah. There's H. like nine H's. Um, but I got to check that out for the first time ever. Incredible. Just absolutely loved it. Um, the two original mazes that Universal did were actually really cool. One was called Pandora's Box, and it was all based on, like, mythological stuff. And then the other one was called Holidays in Hell. So it was a bunch of, like, um, holiday figureheads that were all really cool. It was, like, neat to see what they did with, like, New Year's and Valentine's Day. And they even had a giant murderous turkey dressed up as a pilgrim for Thanksgiving. Murderous turkey? Yeah. For for the Thanksgiving. Like it was a person dressed up as a turkey? Yeah. Yeah. Describe that to me more. It was like a person. Uh-huh. It was like if the turkey was a human and wearing a pilgrim costume. So the turkey had like two legs and arms. Uh-huh. And was dressed as a pilgrim and had an axe. All right. Yeah. It like was... a soft costume? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, the creep show maze was amazing they did all of the segments from creep show one as well as two segments from the new television um series that's on shutter um and creep show is one of my all-time favorites and they perfectly captured like the comic book feel of it the killer clowns from outer space one was great the costuming on that was incredible us was super good really tense um stranger things sucked 
and it was really bad. And, and Rise I'm not, hot take. I'm not the only person who thought that. Like, I, most people I know were like, yeah, that one sucks. Uh, I also got to do the L.A. Haunted Hayride when I was down there, um, which was really cool. A lot of fun. They do it at the abandoned zoo. But I was, as I've told a, a number of people already, um, the tractor ran over a performer's foot during our ride. Way to call them out, right? Whatever. I don't care. Um, I'm... R.E.P. that guy's foot. Yeah, for real. Um, it was kind of terrifying because at first, like, he's just, like, banging on the tractor and we're like, this is part of the show. But then you realize, like, everyone else is, like, running around and, like, doing stuff and he's just sitting there banging on the tractor in one spot, like, kind of screaming into the air. I'm like, I think he's trying to say something. And then soon enough, I realize he's saying, back up the tractor. He rips his mask off and he's yelling at it. I'm like, this is not part of the show. Um, it was a little disconcerting. Took you, took you out of it a little bit. But other than that, it was really cool, and I would actually highly recommend checking out. Very, like, great atmosphere. They pumped that place full of fog, and it's just, like, really, there's, like, a whole, like, storyline to the town that's been stuck on Halloween for 30, however many years. 1985 is when they got, like, the day they're stuck on Halloween, and it's, like, it feels like Halloween Town, which was really cool. Um, And then also just, I got to go down to celebrate my friend uh, Jerry Smith, who is one of the... My writer is for Ghastly Grinning, and he has a very prolific career as a horror journalist, and has done a lot of like mentoring for me. And I got to go to his wedding. Um, so congratulations to Jerry and Alex. Also tough. Yeah. Um, Wait, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Can um, I say that? Yeah. That's not. No, it's not like the Jews are going to persecute you. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I no. mean, I just want to make sure. No, it's a celebratory thing. All right, Malzatov. Yeah. Um, but I did do all those things outside of that. Um, I've full watched, of activities. Yeah, I've watched some movies. Uh, I did check out In the Tall Grass, which is Stephen King and Joe Hill's like joint story they did together. It's an adaptation by Vincenzo Natale, who did Splice and Cube. Um, it's weird. I actually haven't read this one either. Um, it's one of the few things by mm-hmm. King I haven't read, but it's like, well, first off, it's time. I think Aaron shit. loved it. I uh, believe so. Aaron Dries, oh, our good friend. That sounds about right. Um, I mean, he's a king maniac. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he gave it high regards. Um, it's beautifully filmed. It's just, it's time travel. They get stuck in a time mm, loop. No, and they do like weird time you. travel stuff, and I hated all of that. And Patrick Wilson's in it, and I love Patrick Wilson, but he's a super creepy, rapey dude in it. Like, legit. Tra- does he do rapey things? Yeah. No, he legit, like, tries to rape her. No, 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 um, no, And he no. has a mustache, and it's bad. Oh, I don't mind mustaches. Mm. I'm down for the mustache comeback. No. Ew. No. Yeah. No. I tried to convince Ben to do oh it, my God, and he just no. wouldn't. None of us look good with mustaches. I, I just None saw that us. picture you posted. Yeah, do I look it. like a stepdad cop. What's wrong with that? I just know. That's an insult to all stepdad cops Only out there. Only if you're saying it looks bad. You're saying it looks bad. Mm. You just said it looks bad. Mm. Did I? Yeah, bring it back. Bring uh, the stashes back. No, no. No stashes. Uh, I also checked out The Furies on Shudder. That's the, it's a new slasher by Tony DeCino. Um it's really brutal. The effects in it are fantastic. There is one scene in particular where a woman gets her face sliced off, um, and it's gnarly. Um, but it was a really like visceral, savage kind of just like balls to the wall slasher movie in the te- in like the vein of like Wrong Turn. Um, 
which I'm not a huge fan of those movies for the most part. I like some of them, but I really like this one, The Furies. Wrong Turn's great. Yeah, I know you like Wrong Turn. I'm not a big fan of Backwoods Killers. It's like one of my least favorite subgenres. How? It's so, like, relatable. I just, no, I, it's it's not, though. Like, cause, it is. No, because that doesn't happen. Like, there's mm. not actually just, like, backwards people that are, like, tricking people off the road and then killing them. And, I don't um, know. No, I don't believe it. Um, Waxwork is another movie that I watched with my roommate. Um, if you haven't seen Waxwork, 100% need to see that movie. It's from the 80s. It's um, by Anthony Hickox. Uh, it's about a wax museum that, like, it doesn't come to life. It's this weird thing where, like, once people cross over from, like, the floor into the space where the models are, they get, like, sucked into that realm. Um, but it's all, it's basically all of the Universal Monsters. Um, but it's done, it, it reminds me a lot of, like, Fright Night, that kind of, like, tone, where it's, like, scary, but it's still really funny. Um, and still, like, really effective with, like, the monsters. Um, it's one of my newer Discovery, like, favorites. I think the first time I watched it was two years ago, and I just fell in love with it. Um, I also watched The Final Project, which is a movie that you should never watch. I was just going to bring it up. I'm in a um, fantasy football league with a bunch of other journalists, and we have a bet where if you lose, that journalist that you lost to can pick a movie that you have to watch in live tweet. So I lost to uh, Matt Donato, who was like, I'm going to pick the worst movie I've ever seen and make you watch it. And yeah, it's really bad. It's a found footage movie. Um, there is for sure a scene that is 15 minutes long of them just playing Never Have I Ever in the car. Um, and they like, it's just that. It's not even, and there's not even like character building. They're just playing Never Have I Ever. And like, it's like. and It's it, a horror movie? Yeah. Like, it, is that part of the rules that has to be a horror movie or? Yeah. 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 Um, it's um, terrible. Don't watch it. It's like, it came out after Paranormal because the ending literally just apes Paranormal Activity. And, but the rest of it is just like this really odd, they go to like a plantation that's supposed to be haunted, but they spend the whole movie just like on this couple that keep fighting for some reason. And then also like just, um, yeah, playing Never yeah. Have I Ever. There's definitely a scene in it where like the camera like gets messed up and we're just looking at the guy's crotch for like five minutes. I don't know. It's bad. And then uh, I'll throw in real quick too a little break from horror. I watched Failure to Launch the other night because I had never seen it. So First timer. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know what? I just want something kind of fun. I, I actually really enjoy rom-coms. They're probably one of my favorite genres outside of horror movies. So I put it on, and uh, yeah, it's really cute and fun. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, great cast. Sarah Jessica Parker, Matthew McConaughey, um, Kathy Bates, and then you know Bradley Cooper and Zoe Deschanel popped up in there, and I love them both. Um, Bradley Cooper plays like this kind of like free spirit hippie guy in it too which is great it's back when his head was shaved which you know you never see anymore yeah um well he's got such luscious locks he does why hide that from the world he does have like a true mane yeah it's um, beautiful yeah but uh yeah That's i watched to watch and it was really fun and now i'm gonna watch how to how to lose a guy in 10 days because i've also never movie. seen that what nope yeah oh my goodness this was like the era where i wasn't watching rom-coms yeah but how to lose a guy in 10 days is earlier than this no, no, this yeah. was during no, like by a year, maybe. no, yeah, longer than that. No, because this was when McConaughey was like at least a couple years. No, I bet money it's a year. 
How to Lose a Guy is in... 2003 and 2006 for Failure to Launch. Three years later. How do you know it's 2006? I just know these things. What the fuck? Yeah. All right. So I went on a date to this movie. Oh, right. So I have a fond memory. Oh, The Wedding Planner. That's also a great one, but that's from the 90s. I've seen that movie. Yes, that is from the 90s, but I've seen that. So, yeah, this is like the very tail end of McConaughey's. I think it's like the last one except for Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Oh, yeah. Which was really bad. But anywho, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is like top five my rom-coms for sure. Obsessed. That's next. It's so good. Yeah. And all I've right. watched much more, but I don't need to talk about all of it. Rom-coms are great. Um, so I am doing, my 31 days of Halloween is, like, family-friendly Halloween movies. Um, so there's not just one's Halloween, but sort of, like, gateway horror and everything. So I've been chipping away at that. I mean, definitely not at 12 or whatever day of the week we're on right now. But I've watched Corpse Bride, Coraline, Alvin and the Chipmunks Mate Frankenstein, Ernest Scared Stupid, um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow cartoon, um, maybe something else I feel, oh, Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so besides, I'd never seen Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the original cartoon, it was super fun, I really liked it, and it's definitely one that I'm excited to sort of do a re- yearly watch of, so, I mean, it's only like 30 minutes. Um, and it's just that old 50s cartoon style. I, mean, I actually think it might have came out in the 40s. Um, but it's great. There's a song. I wish there was more Headless Horseman in it. It's not until, like, the very tail end of the short. Um, but when it does get to it, it's spooky and fun and perfect for young kids, which I super love. Like, I love when I can find things because I just see things through a different lens now that I have a child. And so... Now that I'm watching all of these, I'm going, okay, at what age would I feel comfortable, you know, showing Liam these? And this So is, Coraline is when he's like 20, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And so this one, I'm like, finally like, okay, this is one I can show him like young, where it's like a little spooky, but still enough lightheartedness that it's not going to have nightmares for a week. Same with um, Alvin, right? I'd say. Yeah, Alvin. Alvin's super fun. Um, and Alvin and the Chipmunks meets Frankenstein is fun because it's a whole universal thing. They're basically at Universal Studios, um, like throughout the whole movie, and it definitely gives it that universal vibe where the Wolfman's not like that, um, which is the other one that's also on my list. Um, Ernest Scared Stupid's a classic, super silly, definitely one to show younger kids. Although I do remember being scared as a child. I do too. Because there's like, like some net. The troll is yeah. pretty creepy and he like, he literally like freezes children. No, that was the part that freaked yeah. me out. It was like how he freezes. Like I think like I was eight or nine was when I started like love that movie. Yeah. Because I wasn't freaked out anymore. Yeah, I was older for sure. Because I mean it came out before I was born. So um, I definitely watched it young. Did it really? Uh-huh. What year? I think it came out in 90, 1990. Oh, wow. Okay, I was yeah. two. Um, yeah, we were super young. Um, and then, yeah, Corpse Bride was my first time watching it, and I loved the gothic vibes, but it was just really bleak, mm-hmm. really dark, mm-hmm. and not one I really care to revisit. Um, yeah, and Corpse Bride, so, like, I feel like, I mean, I don't, a lot of people don't really care for Corpse Bride. It definitely doesn't get the love that Nightmare does. I liked it. Oh, no, I do too. Yeah. And I think it's a good movie and I think it, it does some stuff right. But I do think, because here's the here's the misconception. So Tim Burton's name is all over Nightmare Before Christmas, which is, I mean, it's his universe. He created it. Yeah. But it's, 
he didn't direct that movie. Henry yeah. Selleck did. And so, like, I think... But he didn't direct Corpse Bride either. Well, he co-directed with Mike Johnson. Oh. Um, so, but, I like... I he just produced it. No, so he co-directed. But, like, Tim... Like, Nightmare Before Christmas, he wrote and he, like, produced and everything. But he did not direct... He did not touch that movie. Yeah. And I think you can tell. Yeah. Um, because they feel very different. Yeah. Um, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, has a lot more levity. And I think the music's a lot better, too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, the, the score, the Corpse Bride music and the actual songs they sing are not very memorable. But, yeah, Henry Selleck did Coraline. And he also did James and the Giant Peach, which I think is I love a that great movie. movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Coraline is hella scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrifying. Um, very good. So that's the difference. Like, Corpse Bride, I think, is just really bleak. And the storyline's just so ridiculously depressing because it's gothic horror. Um, Coraline, on the other hand, is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, even as an adult, it still kind of freaks me out. Um, and definitely not one I would be comfortable showing my kids until they're, like, you know, at least 12, 12 or 13. I do not think that's a – that's, like, a PG-13 for me, for sure. Yeah, no, it's hella scary. Um, yeah, I mean – Anywho, but Halloween Town's amazing. It's so cheesy, mm-hmm. so cheesy, uh, but just a staple and really, like, great to get you into the Halloween spirit. Um, and then very quickly, I finally, this year, I have now officially seen all of the Halloween movies. I have been dragging my feet on watching Resurrection and Curse, um, which I'm sure you all know why I just didn't really feel like watching them. And this year on October 1st, I'm like, nope, this is going to be the year. October 1st, I watch both of them and holy moly, are those some bad movies? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I didn't particularly care for either of them, although I thought Resurrection was fun, at least. I was entertained and I really enjoy the whole... Bus Rhymes Kung Fu scene? Well, yeah, that's fine. I love all, everything Buster M says. Great. Yeah. Highly entertained by that. No, I, on a serious note, I do genuinely love Michael living in the house. I like that. That's good. That works for me. Um, yeah, I put this on Twitter, my ranking, if anybody cares. I'm excluding the Rob Zombie ones because I haven't seen them in a while and I'm allowed to do that. Yep. So Halloween, Halloween 2018, H2O, Halloween 2. Return of Michael Myers, Revenge of Michael Myers, Resurrection, Curse of Michael Myers, and the atrocity that is Season of the Witch that should not exist. I mean, there has to be a last on every list. So. Yeah, so there you go. My last would definitely be Curse, but it's your second to last. Yeah. It's yeah. my last when Michael Myers is involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, I need to... I was just talking to you before the show. I need to rewatch Halloween 2 because it's been a long time, but... I think I have, I rewatched four the other night and I really like that movie. I really like four, mm-hmm. but I, Ty's Halloween 2 is better. Yeah. Um, so the movie that we're doing is a proto slasher. It is, um, it is the original The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 1976. Um, alternatively titled Solidarity? No. no. That's from our old notes. Sorry, guys. Yes. That um, is the alternate title. But I did want to look up. So it predates Halloween for sure. But it is post-Texas. Chainsaw Massacre. Um, which is interesting. because Yeah, it, that's it, what we were saying. Yeah. 74. It, just, it draws a lot. I think it draws a lot. I, 
ideologically from that movie, but not tonally or thematically at all. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, set in the late 40s, the residents of Texarkana, Texas, are left terrorized by a mysterious hooded killer who is stalking victims during the evening and leaving the local police at a loss. Um, this is based on a real story. Yes. Like, on real murders that happened in Texarkana. Yep. Mm. It is. Yeah, so, I mean, they changed names, and according to lore, I mean, really, the movie is, it took it liberties. The, the only thing that's really the same is that the same amount of victims and the whole police not really knowing who he was and like having the whole robber situation that whole thing all true but the rest it's all creative liberties yeah as it usually is but it's true and they didn't ever they're pretty sure they know who actually did it um and he was incarcerated on other crimes for most of his life um and then got out and then was imprisoned again for, like, counterfeiting money and stealing a car and um, was just in and out of jail until he died. And I believe he died in prison. But they never truly caught the Phantom Killer. Right. It's kind of a Zodiac situation. Yes. Correct, Mundo. Uh, released December 24th, 1976. So, you know, the perfect Christmas movie. Right? Yeah. No, and it's funny, too, because it's a drive-in movie. I mean, it was one of those Just Like Texas that was played... Um, at the drive-in all the time, and I just feel like that's such a weird time for the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, at least our local drive-in was only open during the summer season. Yeah. I mean, I guess... The ones here in Sac are open year-round. Yeah. Yeah. But, but us in the... I don't know. Yeah, in the 70s, I it, I guess since that was probably still just the main form of consuming... Or, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it did well. Uh, budget was 400000 uh, this is a low-budget film. I mean, they actually recycled some of the scenes from oh, another movie the director I could directed. Tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, a lot of, like, the scenery stuff was from a documentary on Arkansas that he did. Um, and there's also numerous parts in the movie, um, especially during the car chase scenes, where they use the same shot. Yeah. Like, where I was like, isn't that the same shot uh-huh. I just saw? Yeah. No, definitely low-budget. Um but it did well. I mean, it made five mil. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's very successful. Yeah. I mean, for what this film is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that would be profitable nowadays. It's yeah. profitable then, so. Um, and we have a, like, famous um, poster designer situation, which is always exciting for me when that happens. So, I mean, I think this poster is pretty damn famous. Um, so, it's a Phantom Killer um sort of looming at the top of a sunset and then you see sort of the little town strip of Texarkana um and then in a very sort of western drive-in film style you have um the director's name and then the town that dreaded sundown a true story the best part though is that it says starring Ben Johnson and is literally a photograph of him on the poster at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could tell that, I mean, he was a very famous actor. Um, I think most of that budget probably went to paying him to be in this film. Um, it's super famous in a lot of iconic Westerns. And so I just love that his photos at the bottom. I mean, that's terrible design, but I mean, that's also marketing. Uh, but the top part, beautifully illustrated. I mean, the Phantom looks incredible. Um, and it was done by um, an illustrator um, named Ralph McQuarrie. He's super famous for his like concept work in the Star Wars trilogy. 
Um, he worked on Bellstar Galactica, E.T. Um, he won an Academy Award for the film Cocoon. Um, but he actually did, like, concept work art for Darth Vader. Um, oh, wow. He's, yeah, a very famous um, illustrator and concept artist. A lot of the famous characters in Star Wars, Star Wars look the way they do because of his art. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also done other, he did the Indiana Jones, some of the Indiana Jones posters and um, just a really, really talented guy. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was exciting to see. And I mean, design wise, the poster definitely has flaws, but um, for, oh, and also has the tagline, in the top, in 1946, this man killed five people. Today, he still looks the streets of Texarkana, Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, it's just a good dreary poster. And, I mean, just the the phantom looming over the town is pretty mm-hmm. great imagery. Yeah, I and really I love like that. It. I mean, I love that the poster evokes the title of the movie. Like, it it feels like Sundown. It looks uh-huh. like Sundown, which I enjoy. This was one I remember seeing in the movie store all the time. And, like, being creeped out by it. Yeah. Um, there was just something about how the Phantom looks that like yeah. really freaked me out. I was like, yeah, he's freaky. And this is a first time watch for both B and I. Yes. We've both seen the like 2016? 14. 14, 2014, like pseudo reboot sequel. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time we've seen this one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was super hard to find. So it wasn't easily accessible. And so that's why it became um, sort of a cult film um it wasn't until i think i forget the exact date but it wasn't until like the last five years that it's really become readily available for consumption on media um and now it's streaming on amazon prime which is amazing um so people can actually have access to uh shout factory i believe did the blue for it in the dvd um which is what made it available Mm -hmm. fun fact they mention this movie in Scream. They like, do. Yeah, when they invoke the curfew on the town. Yeah. Uh, taglines. Not everyone who comes to this lover's lane has the same thing on their mind. Oh, um, that's good. That is good. I really like that. A true story. A true tale of Texarkana terror. That's alliterative. And then the one that be mentioned at the top of the poster. In 1946, this man killed five people. Today, he still lurks the streets of Texarkana, Arkansas. I really like that lover's lane one. Yeah, that's good. Um... Kind of a sequel, 2014, is a sequel that acts as a remake. Um, we'll cover it next yeah. on the next episode, but just briefly, the this movie exists in the universe of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, what happens? But in the movie, and the movie, yeah, 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 both. Yeah. Um, so it's it it does it's very meta. It does yeah. it plays with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles B. Pierce directed this. Um, he is an independent filmmaker from Arkansas whose movies have gone on to become cult classics. Um, he is believed to be the source of one of the most famous lines in American film history, uh, which is, go ahead, make my day from sudden impact. Mm-hmm. He, oh, wow, these are very, yeah, like cult. Um, he mm-hmm. did Boggy Creek 2 and The Legend Continues. I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Legend of Boggy Creek, but it's like a, it's like a very well, early. Which he also did. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very early found footage movie um about Bigfoot and it is slow. Uh I tried watch well, I did watch it. It took well, It's a two documentary, days. right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a it's fake a, doc. Yeah. But um 
um but has a i mean and there's a lot of boggy creek movies it's weird but it, it's very reputable um he did the first two yeah um also sacred ground in 83 and then earlier on he did the norseman from 78 and gray eagle from 77 and then he works with like we'll notice the writer earl e smith uh wrote set an impact um which charles b pierce wrote the line for um shadow of chikara which i believe charles b pierce wrote um directed as well in legend of boggy creek so they've been working with each other as well as um the cinematographer james w roberson also did all of their stuff and the editor um and then went on to be on the haunted hathaways and melissa and joey yes so yeah the cinematographer did some tv work had lots of credits same with the the man who did the score um, he worked mostly in the 60s and 80s. Jamie Mendoza Nava, 84 credits, tons of films. Jesus. None that, I mean, were super recognizable, just a lot of sort of low budget films, but worked a ton. This score's interesting. Um, it does a lot. So this movie is very interesting. Um, the score is kind of. The only time I really remember the score, like the music, because a lot of when The Phantom exists is like quiet uh-huh. um there's like yeah. beats of like action where like we get the normal shrill like musical like it like piercing but like most of the, the score music, stuff is car chase stuff yeah is during the chasing yeah when and he it hurts a victim and they're running away um and it feels like well like the police car ch- chase stuff like the music sounds like like dukes of hazard mm. or something akin to that like it all just sounded very 70s to me yeah no like tv 70s yes very tv yeah Yeah, so low budget yeah yeah um that yeah so i can see that yeah edited by tom uh boutros who worked on other charles films 12 credits as well oh wow yeah just this guy he did legend of chikara legend of boggy creek fever heat so this guy had a wheelhouse Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that was part of what um the director Charles was known for was like pulling local people from Arkansas and actually creating like a film community. That's right. Um, yeah, with his with his indie films, which is really cool. Um, and he had another like low budget thing is a lot of the characters that are like the victims, like you'll see them in other scenes in the film, like walking past down the street or in the cafe, and so they definitely just recycled, recycled people. Yeah. Um, it's a big cast. I mean, there's a lot of people, but there's only a couple that are like really notable mm. and were, like I said, probably not just local Arkies. Um, so Ben Johnson, the guy's pictures on the poster, the big draw, he plays the captain, um, JD Morales, the lead investigator who is based on, um, a real Texas Ranger, um, M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez, apparently was the real guy's name, um, was in a ton of westerns. Um, the Last Picture Show, The Wild Bunch, The Getaway, Bite the Bullet. He's um, a big name to yeah. get in this film. Yeah, Wild Bunch and Last Picture okay. Show are huge movies. Mm-hmm. So, Andrew Prine is Deputy Norman Ramsey. Um, he's slightly based on the Bowie County Sheriff Bill Presley. Uh, he's gone on to be, he was the, the Reverend in Lords mm-hmm. of Salem, which is cool. Yeah. Um, he plays James Keller in The Miracle Worker. He was in Eliminators and Gettysburg. This Pretty is successful career. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then... Didn't realize it was her. Yeah, Don Wells, who uh, pl- 
plays Helen Reed, um, based off of real-life victim Katie Starks, is Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Now that, like... Yeah, she's the one who's in the house. Yeah, that's um, And her rough. husband, gets uh, shot. Roy, gets shot. She's on the phone. Mm-hmm. Operator! Operator! Uh, Charles B. Pierce as Patrolman A.C. Benson, or Sparkplug, who is our comedic relief character. Yeah, so in his own movie as, like, the dopey deputy, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Which is, like, honestly... I could have done without those moments. Yeah. Because it really, like... Those moments really feel like Dukes of Hazard. Different movie. Mm-hmm. And it struggles with building the suspense because it's seen and then we kind of deal with the cops for a second and then it's another crime scene. We're really just taken to these couple different crime scenes and there's not much going on in between. Um, and so it's hard to keep the suspense and dread with the way they built the film. And when you have these like weird antics between the cops that happens to be the director of the mm-hmm. film, it's like if you took those out, I think it would actually genuinely help the tension of the film a lot. Like I need I need a bass cut of this. There I mean, yeah, there there's literally a like a cross dressing scene. Uh-huh. And it's played for laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they could have played it straight, but uh-huh. it's, like, literally played for laughs. Uh-huh. It's yeah. very weird. It's, it's super weird. totally all over yeah. the place. And then Bud Davis plays our Phantom, which we never see um, unmasked. Um, this is a proto-slasher. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is definitely um, a post-Texas playing with that true crime element to fucking terrify people. Yep. Um yeah it's also true crime um um like our kill so the phantom killer is our killer and like so much of this movie i was like we're watching a true crime movie like they Uh straight off it felt so much like zodiac yes they profile him. zodiac felt so much like this i should say yeah exactly but like they they straight up bring a a psychologist in to profile him and they're asking like why why is he biting them but not Uh having sex with them oh you know like it's a sexual thing but like he doesn't need like that it's like he finds pleasure that's not what gets him off yeah Yeah. he gets off like you know torturing people and then like why isn't he taking their money he doesn't care about money and then they're like and like he literally profiles him he's like probably late 30s early 40s very intelligent probably just a hard-working citizen of this town like yeah um but so much of it i was like whoa this is totally like it's interesting i feel like this movie would do well if it like had a resurgence because true crime is so hot right now yeah um and the and the fact that it's based on a true story mm-hmm. um and that it feels so much like zodiac or like you said zodiac feels like this like i i feel like you take the goofy stuff out and people would be like really interested in this movie I'm telling you i'm gonna edit it and call it the bass cut the bass cut um iconic weapon is a gun i guess well yeah i mean besides one kill it's yeah. all done with a gun yeah that's true yeah so this is i and this is part of what makes it a proto slash right because it has some of the like cat and mouse stuff and the stock and slash slash quote right. unquote but and our mass killer mm-hmm. um but part of what hinders is it hinders it is it's based on a real right. criminal who used a gun yeah um I although will... they could have switched it for a knife yeah and i will say um the phantom killer in the movie when he's actually in it is terrifying 
He's, he legit creeps me the fuck out. He's super creepy. So that's what I was noticing when I was watching it. He's so, he's played so differently than any of our slasher icons. He actually, you know what? He plays the most like Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so quick. Really rapid and jolting. But still, like weirdly, even though you can't see any facial expressions. Although... What they use, which I really like, is his breathing. Yeah. So instead of having music, yes, I you just love hear. That. <gasps> it sounds like right. That, like him breathing. That super first car heavily. scene is just yeah. over. It overtakes the whole thing. Yeah. It's not like you're just hearing him breathe. It's yeah. literally the the sound uh-huh. is like this giant, very loud version of his his like heavy breathing. Yeah. So yeah, he's big and quick, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, like I said, even though you can't see any facial expressions or anything, it's just, even just with the quick movements of the head, it just is all feels very calculated mm-hmm. and intelligent. And he's very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, I mean, the first kill we get, like, he literally sneaks up on the car and he freaks them out by lifting up their hood, but he's doing it because he's ripping out their, like, he's making it so they can't drive away. Like, they have no way to get away. And there's all these, yeah, I agree. Just, like, he's so fast and, like, like all, there's so many scenes of him stalking and coming up on the car and he's like creeping up behind it and it's really creepy to see this huge guy like jason you know is so scary and like just because he kind of like just appears out of nowhere and um he's he is very like a very dominant figure but like this was creepy to see someone so big be so spry yeah and like get down and like really like maneuver around the car to try to find the way that he's going to get in and like the way he reaches through the windows and yeah he was the scene like really like i mean he was creepy the whole way through but the scene where he attacks um you know katie or uh, Mm -hmm. helen like when he breaks through her door her screen door that i was like this is creepy yeah and then the whole chase and that's the real like the chasing in the cornrows, that's where I was like, oh my god, this is like super calculated and built really good dread in that whole scene because I was like, I don't fucking know, like, if she's going to get out of this. Like, you don't know. You feel that. Yeah. No, and like, that's the thing too, is like, a lot of them did survive, mm-hmm. but some of them didn't. So you do feel like that tension too of like, who is going to live yeah. and who's not going to. Um... So, yeah, I mean, our movie takes place in Texarkana. It's eight months after World War II um, is over. Um, and so Texarkana is, you know, in the southwest. It's on the well, border. Texas and Arkansas, so yeah. part of the town. Well, it's in Arkansas, but I also believe that, like, some of the town is in Texas. Yeah. That's why it, like, got its name. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it, this place exists in real life. Yeah, but it's the 40s, and um, so, you know, people are out on Lumber's Lane making mm-hmm. out. And these two um, kids are making out. This was weird. She, like, he's just, like, laying on her lap. She's like, would you get up? And he's like, I don't even know why I date you. This is why this movie is totally kind of weird. Yeah. Because, like, like, that scene, too, even feels like a, a comedy until we see him come up on the car. Oh, yeah. It feels like that whole scene. I was like, oh, my God. Like, poor, poorly dated jokes. Like, these are why, like watching these movies, especially, like, as a woman, can get uncomfortable because it's so much, like... Pre- like the weird things they say mm-hmm. like the precious things so i watched um cherry falls yeah 
right? That's mm-hmm. what it's called. Mm-hmm. Why does that sound wrong for some reason? No, that's it. Cherry okay. Falls. So, and that scene, that movie opens up with a lover's lane scene. And I mean, that movie was made in the early aughts. And a similar thing, right? Like the girl and the guy, like they're there to hook up, but he wants to go farther. And the girl feels weird about saying no. But it's always the wording that's so much different in these older movies where it's like, you can tell, I don't know, there's just something about like the pressure that's put on and you just know the woman feels like she doesn't have an option. She mm. can't say no. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's just icky. Yeah, it is. It's, it's gross. Anywho. Um, so he's attacked and like this scene too, like I thought this scene was really effective. He's attacked through the window um, and he's ripped out of the window and like there's a scene, like that part where she's looking out of the window like and like what I liked was it's not like this clean break. The wicked, the window's like all broken and jagged and like you can see his blood is like on it like from where he was torn out. Um, and then like she crawls, he gets in the car with her and we see her and she's like barely alive and she manages to crawl to the side of the road and like ask, like just lay there until she's found. Like a car's coming and she's like help, help. And then um, that's when we meet like our our the first time we meet the police um so the cops are there the next morning um norman ramsey gives the report that they're still alive um tells the sheriff to meet him at the hospital they go to the hospital but they i mean both so both of them are actually still alive mm-hmm. um just severely beaten and um that's when we find out that she wasn't raped um but he she was bitten all yeah. over and on it was like on, her on her back butt and boobs yeah. yeah she just had bite marks like the he says literally chewed which is yeah. gross uh-huh. like that's another thing that i was like i don't want to be chewed on yeah um so that's when they like decide to issue the warning of like people shouldn't go out to lover's lane or park alone like they shouldn't go be they shouldn't isolate themselves right um and it's, like, mainly to the teenagers and college students in town. Um, then 21 days later, because we find out that the killer kind of has, like, a cycle. Um, Maybe he's a werewolf. That'd be an interesting take. Yeah. I know for sure he attacks one night on... Or, no, yeah, he does attack on the full moon. Yeah, every one, 21 days. Maybe it's, like, the moon cycle. Weird. Real werewolf. Um, yeah. But, so... IRL. The cops have been patrolling now. It's okay, and this movie has a very strange format because there are parts of a voiceover where uh-huh. it's explained like we're watching a doc. Yeah, and it feels the this part to me feels like those old like '90s tr- shows, like um, like America's Most Wanted or um, Unsolved Mysteries, where like there'd be like the yeah, voice, where they. I mean, it where, still felt very of this time though. No, it does. It actually like, felt like. The, I mean, the voiceover From sometimes the sounds like Dragnet, but, like, yeah. part of it was, like, it's weird because he's, the way he's saying it, it feels like there's, you should be watching reenactments, but it, you're not oh, you're watching right, a movie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's super weird. Yeah. I felt the same way. I often felt myself going, like, okay, he's talking about this, and it feels like we should be, like, it all should be in the past. Mm-hmm. And like we he's should be reflecting up. back on yeah. what happened. The way he talks about it, it makes you sound like he's setting you up to watch a reenactment, yeah. but then you're watching, like, the movie play out, and sometimes it will go a while before he says anything. Uh-huh. So you're like, oh, they dropped it. Like, that, that yeah. part's gone, and then it's, and like, suddenly. And then he pops up yeah. again. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. No, it definitely would have made more sense if everything we saw was, like, Oh, and then this happened, and then we saw, like, the past. Yeah, like, like if he had an intro at the beginning, 
and then his thing at the end because this thing at the end's creepy mm-hmm. if the, it was just those that would make more sense to me if it was just with like this storyline yeah 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 absolutely no but with the way he narrated it it should have been like oh and then we learned 21 days later yeah this is what happened and then they showed us mm-hmm. yeah it was strange it didn't quite I felt like it was going for because that's how Texas is. It mm-hmm. starts out with a like, yeah. this is what happened. Exactly. This is what we found, and then it goes into the story, and there's no narrator again. Right, and that's why because he even at the beginning of this, he's like, you know, like 1946 Texarkana, the small town of like blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then like, but then he pops up again later, and like he does intros for some characters. Like he's just like when yeah, he tells like, us about their history, like that one couple, like oh she like. 17 she didn't graduate from school and, yeah yeah and, and then like the police that show up he like shows yeah. up like when the lone wolf shows up he's like uh captain jd morales blah 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 um but like and then he anytime like they to move to like anytime they jump a little he kind of explains because like this is the first time where he pops in again because we do jump to march 24th 21 days later and we find out the that prom. like they've increased like there's multiple towns um police forces investigating because like their their police force is too small and so um yeah it's um it's the prom and they have multiple cars out but there's still a couple that gets attacked and this is um particularly brutal uh and just also really weird so it's too it's like they're making out he chases down the car. Um, he pulls the man out of the car. The car like crashes, and the and he he kills the man. And then he chases the girl into the woods, and he he gets he catches up to her, and he ties her up, and then he ties a knife to a trombone, and he just it's he's like kind of playing it. He's blowing into it, but there's no noise. It's just him stabbing her over and over again yeah. in the back. Um, and like this scene is like kind of hard to watch yeah it's slow it's i mean it's iconic it's very yeah yeah this is like the scene from the movie Mm -hmm. that you know would be recognized it's it's because it's so yeah like savage well yeah and like like we said it's that it's the effect that they're using where there's no real music Mm -hmm. it's really and he's blowing into it but really just with his breath instead of how you actually play trombone where your lips are together and you go, hmm, and you like hum into it. He's like, <gasps> Yeah, he's literally just going like, <clears throat> it, was, it sounds like he's blowing really hard and like a little bit of noise is coming out, but that's it. And he's just stabbing her over and over again in the back. And even she, she's not screaming for help. She's not like, so like, it's really quiet. And it's yeah. just him making that weird noise and her, kind every time like, she gets ah. stabbed. Yeah. She's yeah. like, she like emits a cry, but only when she's getting stabbed. It's like, she's like surrendering. It's chilling. Like... It's a very like chilling scene. Yeah. Um, this is when we get introduced to, like, J.D. Morales. They bring him in now, because, like, obviously, like, this is more kids murdered. They're, they need to figure this out. Um, we get a lot of cop stuff now. Uh, oh, that wasn't the prom scene. Prom's coming up. Um, but that was just the, oh, it was the lover's lane in the rain. Um, but we get a lot of cop stuff. We, there's a lot of, like, antics now, because we meet Sparkplug, and, um, it's... Some of it's interesting because, like, part of it is Ramsey and Morales, like, trying to decide, like, what his modus operandi is. And, like, like you know, they've picked up on it's 21 days. 
Um, they're like, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I wonder well, yeah, if it's the you rain. Missed, there was two people. That was. She was the trombone player. That's why she got killed with a trombone. And that was after the dance. You missed. They found two people. We don't see them die. That's why there's a bunch of coverage at the at the prom. They find the guy in the ditch. Mm, no prom's next. No. Yeah, because they set up the decoys. No. The girl who gets killed by the trombone was at prom. That's why there's a trombone. Because oh, she was a trombone yeah, player yeah, at the dance. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm like, sorry. wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so the first two kills we don't actually see. That's the rain. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's the one we don't see, but the cop finds the car. Yeah. Got it. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I jumped ahead. Um, Right, so that was the, yeah. yeah. The guy was, was also... in the ditch. She was also tied to the tree. And then that's why they bring in the other people. They bring in the extra cops, and then it's because they figure out, okay, it's going to happen at prom. Yeah. They know that's the date. Right, which is April 14th. Yeah. And even though, so the cops have all these decoy cars. Yeah. There's this, like, goofy bit about cross-dressing where, like, some of the cops are dressed as women to make it look like they're dates. Because that was necessary. Yeah. And then, but even though the town has a curfew and everything, that's, this is the couple with the trombone. They, They decide to go out and make out anyways but even it it shows they just fell asleep in the front seat together like or they're just sleeping and the girl's like i gotta go home what time is it and he's like it's almost three and she's like i really need to go home and he's like just five more minutes i'm like dude you guys are literally just sleeping like why wouldn't you just go home um but yeah this is the scene where she's killed with the trombone yeah um yeah it's it's brutal yeah and then this is where we get sort of our creepy they're in the cafe and it's where we get our true crime profiling that Ryan was talking about. And then it's sort of, which, you know, of course, how would they actually know this? But really creepy moment where the profile makes a comment saying, it's probably one of your citizens, somebody who lives here and you walk past every day. And then the camera pans over to a guy um, and just his legs and shoes and walk up to the cashier and pay and walk out. You know, alluding to the fact that that's just the phantom right there, just waiting it out. Yep. Fucking creepy. Yeah. And that was a great scene. Yeah. Because um, that's the one thing we do get is a lot of shots of his feet. Yeah. So we see that he has like this very distinctive boot mm-hmm. and like pant. Um, yeah. That was really. That's one of those things that I love when a movie can do that because if you can creep someone out in the day with something very like. Not someone dying, not someone, like, getting killed, not a jump scare, just, like, something that, like, it's like when Michael shows up and, like, when you see him in the background and no one else sees him Mm -hmm. in scenes in Halloween, those are the creepiest scenes to me, Mm because it's like, we know they're there. Yeah. But our characters don't know that that he's there. No, it's super good. Um, Super suspense building, going, like, holy shit, like, He's right fucking there. He knows what the cops know, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. It's good. Yeah. And the profiler even says during that conversation, like, he's got to one up on you because he knows everything about this investigation and you know nothing about him. Uh-huh. Um, then we get this whole really goofy char- car chase scene. Like, there's a character who's introduced that says he was robbed at gunpoint and, and he had to, like, drive someone somewhere. And then this car is stolen. And there's this, like, whole goofy, like, literally, like, goofy car chase. Like, it could have had that fucking, like, like music to it. Because yeah. it's just, like, really silly. They literally drive a car into a lake. They get out. Like, I mean, Ben Johnson, ha- like, literally has to go, spark plug. 
shut up and i'm like oh god this like yeah. these are the parts i was like why is this here i just don't understand yeah and then there's a really i can't remember exactly what it is but the 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 guy that they track down oh, like, yeah. makes some really bad like racist slur to oh he called yeah he calls him something he calls him something and i was like oh yeah yikes um, and he admits, quote unquote, to being the Phantom. And then after a 25 minute car ride back to the uh, police station with like, like they also heavily applied police brutality. Oh, um, yeah. Because they know instantly. Yeah. Like that this isn't him. Yeah. So the chief's like, how about you spark plug, get in the back of the car with him. Or no, it's spark not spark plug. plug it's that guy with, no, it's the guy with the big old handlebar mu- or the, he had the big old mustache. Oh, he like volunteers yeah. to get in the back of the yeah. car and he won't be admitting to that crime after this. And, and then sure enough, the announcer pops in and was like, yep. he did not admit to those crimes. Yeah. See, he's not the phantom. Um, And then May 3rd rolls around. The Phantom sees Helen Reed leaving her grocery, leaving a grocery store. This scene, okay, this is the scene we were kind of talking about. It's the Marianne from Gilligan's Island, and like, what's so creepy about this too is that like these people in Texarkana were like in this in real life, but also in the movie, they're being haunted essentially by this guy. But mm-hmm. they do have this sense of security of like, okay, just stay home. Because, like, he goes out yeah. and he goes, he tries to find you if you're isolated, if you're in a car. At night. And so when we have the scene of them at home and he's just reading the newspaper and she's getting ready for bed and he attacks, like, she's like, do you hear something? He's like, no. And then we see him in the window and he literally just holds a gun up and shoots him two times in the neck. And she's like, what was that? And she comes in, sees her husband dying. And then, again, like, she, like, calls the operator. He shows up at her door which is just open because you know the weather there too like they leave the front doors open and he just rips through her front door and immediately shoots her like it's really really like harrowing and again like it just creeped me out because it's unsettling because you have this again you kind of have this built-in security of like okay he attacks teenagers and if you're in the streets and like if you're in a car and you're isolated and so like these people felt safe at home well, yeah. and he and it decides to make it so they don't feel safe anywhere well yeah the whole part before the scene and we get sort of our our title brought into the film it the narrator's telling us like you know the shops lock up we've got the cops patrol every single night like the man hunt over there and they literally i mean it is it's the town that dreads sundown because that's when it's going to happen to you during the day they all feel safe and comfortable and then the sun goes down and they lock themselves up in their house Mm -hmm. and then just wait for i mean they talk about how the newspaper doesn't go out anymore until the sun's out and all this stuff so this Mm -hmm. whole town is just on pens and needles and then they think as long as we're at home, locked away, until the sun comes back up, we're going to be okay. And then, no. Yep. That's not true. And the, this, like, whole scene, too, is just, like, it's really slow. And, like B said, it's very, like, methodical. He follows out into a cornfield with a pickaxe, and she manages to find another house, and he leaves. But, like, the, it's a very, like, it's a very tense scene, considering that there's not even a kill involved in it. Because, like, he just follows her through, and she does live. Um, so they, they kind of like, you know, the narrator pops in again to say like, people are now avoiding their windows in their home. Uh Like they boarded up their windows or they don't, they just avoid going near their windows when they're at their home. Um, there's one like final scene and you can tell this is kind of like, uh, 
the like you even wrote they had to write the ending of the movie because the script didn't have an ending like you can tell because there's not an ending there's not to an the ending. story yeah so like this in part in real life they find the phantom essentially yeah. like they don't know who it is but they have like a showdown with him kind yeah. of like it's this whole shootout with a train in between them and he like plunges into the swamp um and there's this and then like they're they're like he's gone yeah, he just disappears into the swamp. Um, yeah, he's shot in the leg, and then he's gone. Yeah. And this is when we get our our voiceover of the of our narrator saying like they never caught him. Yeah, and he's it, like uh, he says like Texarkana's, and you know it's very similar now to how it was then. Um, and it shows people in line to watch this movie, which I thought is mm-hmm. a neat touch. Um, and then he goes, but he says like, you know, for all we know, he could still be out there. Um, blah 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 waiting in line and it shows his feet and yeah. that's how the movie ends um, so it's a very ambiguous ending but it's because it, it that's what happened <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't really know I mean there was no chewed out with the so I pulled it up just in case people are curious it's nothing too like I said I don't enjoy knowing like true crime things but this is you know pretty mild um, the person they believe to be the phantom killer so the Texarkana police the best lead in the case was a car thief named Yuel Sweeney, uh, or Swiney, whose wife Peggy supplied them with details that only the police and killer would know. Um, as admissible evidence against him was only circumstantial, police instead charged him with felony theft of a car. And under Texas law, he qualified for the State Habitual Crime Act and received a life sentence for being a repeat offender. Do not commit crimes in Texas, people. Um, So he served 25 years before his case was appealed. He was released at at the age of 57, but then was arrested again for counterfeiting coins and stealing another car, was sentenced to two years in prison, and then walked away from a prison labor job, was recaptured four days later, then sent to a different prison to serve an additional two years for escaping. Um, Though still alive, he was incarcerated again at the time the movie was made and shown. He died in 1994 at the age of 77. Yeah, so they believe... Just a lifelong criminal. Yeah, they believed this to be him. Um, But then you never know, because doesn't that seem crazy that... I mean, he was incarcerated for most of that time. I mean, 25 years. Then he was a lot older, but... You gotta wonder, like, did he ever kill again? Like, oh yeah, is that really him? Like, it's so. They were convinced enough that they got him twenty five years for stealing a car. So creepy. Yeah, it's all creepy. very creepy. I don't like those cases. Like yeah. the fact that even though I know Zodiac is like realistically dead. Yeah. Creeps me the fuck out to know that he was never caught. Yeah. Like really creeps me out. Oh, he's and if he's not dead, there's like really no way he'd be like geriatric yeah exactly not killing anybody yeah but still hella creepy Mm -hmm. yeah um so it is definitely oh you're what i guess we have final well yeah so i mean it's a pro slasher so there's no final girl or that archetype doesn't exist yet so that that hasn't been created but our captain acts as sort of that role in this film he's our lead investigator he's the one He's never in harm's way mm-hmm. of our killer, but he's he's the one who leads the story when our killer's not involved. Right, yeah. Um, and I agree with you. B even wrote in the notes here, favorite kill. I mean, is there any choice besides the trombone kill? No. No. I, I mean, mean, it's iconic. Yeah. Um, it's, like I said, it's chilling. It yeah. get, like, it, it, like, 
creep me the fuck out. Um, it's definitely a cult movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a proto slasher. It's very cult. I think even, I honestly even think like the remake is kind of cult. Um, it's it it the remake was the remake slash sequel was made in an era where slashers still weren't doing great um like we were still only exist yeah we weren't getting slashers so it kind of went under the radar like i and i i just saw it on netflix yeah like um, i saw it was streaming on netflix in like a year after it came out in 2015 i was like this looks good i watched it and i was like oh all right that's not what i was expecting yeah i i saw it weird but the guy who wrote it also writes the afterlife with archie comics Oh, which uh-huh. I was reading pretty avidly yeah. at the time. And so I followed him on Twitter and he posted like, oh, this movie I wrote is coming out. And I looked and I was like, Ryan Murphy like worked on this? And I was like, okay. And so I checked it out. But like, I still, no one talks about this movie. I don't ever hear anyone talk about this movie. No. Like this movie or the remake. They're very, very cult. Um, oh, it's inspiration for Baghead, Jason? Uh-huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the remake is definitely more well-known, but even that is, it's only because it's recent. Um, and because it had some, at least it had some, like, cred attached to it. With, well, like, and Ryan Blum Murphy produced and, it. Yeah, and Blum yeah. produced it, and it was a yeah. Blumhouse-Ryan Murphy yeah. joint effort, so. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, I de- and like I said, because it's newer, it's just, I think, talked about a little bit more, because, and it was also streaming, I don't know what the distribution looked like, but it streamed on Netflix quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I've seen that. Like when we mentioned that we were doing Town That Dreaded Sundown, it's like, oh yeah, no, I've, I've seen the remake or they've seen they, it. They've seen it. And they then we're like, oh yeah, like there's a, there's yeah. an original one. And it's like, oh yeah, I saw the newer one. And it's like, uh-huh. Um, okay. So if you're new to the show, just so you know, we rank every, um, we rank the movies at the end and it's based, our ranking system is based on how the movie acts as a slasher. It's not a favorites list. It's not like a, a a best made list like as far as like you know production and everything it's how does the movie ultimately work as a slasher from top to bottom and um this is our 49th movie um number one is still my bloody valentine from 1981 rounding up the bottom is april fool's day girls night out and cry wolf um it's okay proto slashers are interesting um i feel like they're a little harder to tackle sometimes even Mm -hmm. though black christmas is our number two and it's a proto slasher Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you normally how we've been treating proto slashers, which we've tackled or we've proto like that two, are giallo. So Bay of Blood, three, um, Black Christmas, um, Deep Red, Deep Red. Yeah. Um, so those are, uh, you know, movies pre Halloween is sort of considered the start of the actual slasher genre. Anything before that's really considered a proto slasher. Um, Halloween's what sort of began it solidified it solidified genre. like okay no this is this is a subgenre yeah um and then uh movies like my bloody valentine um and friday the 13th kind of created the formula mm-hmm. um so with that said how we've been treating them so far is how did they influence the slasher genre what did you know, My Bloody Valentine and Friday the 13th, what did, like, those movies that sort of really took and created the tropes that we're so familiar with and that we discussed on the list list, how did they influence them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this one didn't, I don't think, does much. Mm-hmm. I think it, if anything, 
took from Texas, which provided to the slasher itself. Um, as a slasher, the main things that it does that I think are really successful is we have a super chilling, mm-hmm. iconic killer mm-hmm. um, that like is the definition of a stalker yep. um, and a whodunit. Yeah. Like you, we really, I mean, we never find out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the rest of it. Um, we don't really, we don't see any of the other elements of this film pop up in, in any other no, slashers. No, it feels, I mean, you know, again, like, like B said, for the proto slashers are you, the way we approach them is like, what did they lend to the genre from then on? Mm-hmm. Cause you see, if you go back and listen to those episodes, but like, see that when like, see the movies like you can definitely see a lot of stuff pulled from those early giallos i mean black christmas for me is almost like a perfect blueprint mm-hmm. like it's like it lays it all out but it like does. this the killer is really there and that yeah. i do think like that stock like you said stalker the true stalker. perfect yeah. like word for it but like so much of this is like so all over the place it's mm-hmm. such a weird movie um and I, I think, like, even just talking about it with you, I like it more than I thought I did. Because mm-hmm. I think there's Same. a lot it does well. Like, it's just, when you're watching it, I think it's almost hard to recognize because you're being so thrown off by, like, the goofy parts. But, like, there is a lot that it does well. I think, like, it has those really effective, creepy moments. Like, you know, like you said, him walking out of the diner, or the restaurant, the diner, when they're all there. And then yeah. there's also those, like, really jarring um like visceral moments where he like rips through the screen door um but as far as like what it does for the slasher genre um it's just like i think the killer i think it i mean i would bet money he was an influence on jason yeah i mean besides i know i know for a fact the inspiration for Baghead Jason. But like his was. his entire form. But his entire form. Like the he's a very, he lo- the really way he's big. built. Yeah. 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 Because he is like a very dominating mm-hmm. figure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I agree. So as I like, as far as the slasher, it's probably around like Mischief Night Slaughter High. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe even lower. I'd say yeah. Prom Night's better. Yeah. I it's better than Night, Yeah. I would say, yeah, the remake of Prom Night probably works better as a slasher. Work definitely works better as a slasher. Yeah. Um, than this does. And then, yeah, I would say the rest of those movies don't lend any more to the genre yeah. than yeah. this has. No. Which is Cheerleader Clamp, Blood Night, Mischief Night. Happy um, Death Day to Happy You. Happy Death Day to You, Cry Wolf, Girls Night Out. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I think... Um, Our new number 42. Yeah, is a good spot for this. And, and like, again, so if you haven't listened to the past episodes, like, I really encourage you, if you are ever looking at our list and, like, wondering. Because if I were to rank... You could always just skip to the end and listen to us explain it. Too. Exactly. Um, and if, like, this is a prime example for me of, like, a movie that I... I, I didn't love but like i didn't hate it like it if this was if this list was of you know how much i like a movie this movie would be higher up than a lot of these other movies mm-hmm. um but it's not it's about what we feel like it did for slashers and the genre and like how well it works and so i think that's like a really good spot for it um cool so we are going to be back in two weeks with the remake um sequel reboot whatever it's so confusing but 
Yeah, I mean... It's a sequel. It's a sequel. Yeah. It's a sequel reboot. Yeah. It's kind of like Halloween 2018. Yeah. 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 Um, so um, we'll be back for that one. That one is not streaming right now, as far as I know. You can oh, rent it, it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one is on Amazon Prime. Um, if you rented it or couldn't find it it is available there it's kind of weird it's like doesn't have a cover yeah there's um, there's one there's, version with a cover yeah that, that you can rent that you can that you can rent and then there's this one that's free to watch but it just the says same. the title and, yeah. the, and the year it came out yeah it's the same so yeah it was kind of confusing i was like God, i thought it was streaming um yeah so uh we're still looking for november movies i know we have a couple suggestions um, I know Classic Material had one suggestion for us for November, but I can't remember what it is now. Um, so we'll have to, I'm trying to find it, but. We home are... Sweet Home. Oh, yeah. Okay, Home Sweet Home. That is Yeah. It. So maybe we'll try. I know that one's super hard to find. I think it's like, you got to watch it on YouTube. Um, I know it is on YouTube. So maybe we'll look and see how terrible that YouTube cut looks like and uh, check it out. Um, and then also I did, um, before I forget, because it was. So it was our friend's birthday last night. He turned 31. Um, and I forgot that someone messaged me like at midnight. And um, Taylor, thank you for listening to the show. She literally messaged me. I was like, just so you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I love it. And I was like, oh, oh wow. And she's like, yeah, I found it through Shockwaves. Like someone did a like posted about like good podcasts and like I found yours. And she's like, and I'm like barreling through it. So That's I was like, nice. oh, I'll give you a shout out. And so thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. So yes. yeah, keep reaching out to us. Yeah. Um, cool. So maybe Home Sweet Home, but we don't know. Um, we'll probably do Christmas stuff for Christmas. There's yeah, still plenty there's of still Christmas lots slashers, of Christmas so. slashers. Yeah. Thanksgiving, maybe we'll do Home Sweet Home and then something we feel like watching. Yeah, I think that That's sounds good. That's not thematic. Yeah, we'll, we'll skip a theme for a minute. Yeah. Um, until then, keep screaming. <laughs>